All right, welcome in everybody. This is Boss and Rudes. My name's a boss here with Rudy, my man, back in Chicago. Right. After that, uh, what like March to March to August in LA? Yeah, it's been a little while, but I'm back. We're finally on the right time zone, and <laughs> don't have to keep you up till God knows what time so that I could get home to uh, get these shows in. But finally in Chicago. But we got a good guest here, Nathan. Uh, my hey. man Nate survived that Indianapolis <laughs> trip with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's it going? Just, just don't say pantalese at all when you're on here today. Oh. <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to trigger Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good time. Hopefully, we. Hopefully, there's some kind of trip we can make this year. But it's looking pretty grim. Yeah, but unfortunately. Kind of DePaul sports or anything. <laughs> Probably for the best, but. Yeah, probably for the best. No fall sports. That's gonna be. It's gonna be weird, man. It's gonna be really odd. I mean, I'm not. I'm not there anymore. But um, I mean, I feel. I feel bad for y'all because uh, hmm. even for even at even at RDP, like fall sports is always so much fun. You're like you're you're doing play by play for volleyball when you don't know what you're talking about. I'm speaking out of experience because <laughs> hey, I yo, know nothing. We all know everything there is to know about volleyball at the station we we know everything we know all the the hey, phrases and so on hey man i know what a pancake is so that that's what counts yeah. all right that's what counts that's but anyway people listening we don't know anything about volleyball <laughs> yeah we, we just do our best man we do our best it's i mean it's such an entertaining sport um and and the i mean the few times DePaul looked really good last year it, it was very entertaining, a lot better than the year before. But um, I guess that's happening in spring this time. I don't know. It depends on this. Uh, depends on this pandemic. But anyways, NBA playoffs are upon us. Playing game today. Portland is in. Portland, LA in the first round. A lot of tension in the Zoom call right now with uh, Rudy being a Lakers fan, me wearing my Portland hat, me being a little bit of a Damian Lillard bandwagon fan. Uh, but you know, there's tension, right, Rudy? Um, not as much as you think. I mean, I think we both kind of, well, I mean, we're going to get into it later. I'm sure. I, I know we agreed before the show that we were going to do 30 seconds each, but with that Laker blazer series, I can very easily see that taking 50 to 70% of the show today. But, um, I, I think it's going to be a great series. Never count out Dame, but, uh, I think we both know what's going to happen in that series. Oh, Blazers win in six? Uh, is that what you're thinking? <laughs> that's not what I was thinking. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll we'll save West for last because uh, we, we want to end on an argument here. You know how it is. So sure. Eastern Conference, really quickly, really quickly, 1-8 and 2-7. I mean, do, do either of you have anything <laughs> – about these, I mean, Milwaukee, Orlando, and then Brooklyn and Toronto. Uh, maybe last year this might have been a fun thing, but um, and only a little fun, but this year it's no fun at all. The Magic, obviously, no Isaacs. Uh, I think Gordon, is Gordon still hurt? I know he missed the last last couple games of the scrimmage game, of the, mm-hmm. the, the seeding games. Yeah, he, I mean, he, and this is looking like the most obvious, like, sweep of this playoffs. Like, I feel like every other series, you could at least see one game, maybe swing towards the team. But this, this is a series where I don't see the, I don't see the magic even getting in within 10 in any of the games. I feel like, I mean, it's just gonna be a blowout in my opinion. I don't really see much happening out of that one. All right. So a four game sweep. That's why they're, they're playing it at 1230. That's fine. <laughs> playing it at 1230. Everyone's gonna, in the afternoon. That's why. Nobody's gonna watch it. So we got a we got a four game sweep between Milwaukee and and Orlando. I don't think that I mean I, I don't even think Orlando fans would argue that. Maybe they'll say a gentleman sweep. I don't know. <laughs> Win game one like last year against Toronto and then then lose four straight. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. But two seven. You know I'm actually kind of. I think the games will be fun. I still think Toronto sweeps or at most it goes to five. But hey, Brooklyn showed they can play. I just don't think they can play against a defensive team like Toronto. No, yeah, I agree. That's what I was going to say. I, I could, I don't see this series going any more than five. And if you think it's going six, yeah, it's a pipe dream, really. 
Um, Toronto's just too deep, and the Nets, you know, they're very entertaining to watch. Obviously, they're depleted. You know, maybe next year it'll have a different conversation with a healthy uh, Nets team, but right now I don't see it going more than five. Maybe they get away with one, you know. Four is more realistic, but five, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they won't get swept. Right. Well, there's one, eight, two, seven. Now, now it gets fun. Now it gets fun. So three, three, six. Boston, Philadelphia. No Ben Simmons for uh, for Philly, but Embiid's back, and Embiid looks like he's ready to play. Nate, how you feeling? Uh, I'm I'm kind of intrigued about this. This this was a much more intriguing matchup, I think, six months ago than it is now. I mean, I think the Celtics have more more at display. They have more they have more players that are going to be ready to play in the playoffs. I think the Sixers still trying to figure out some things, especially with Ben Simmons being hurt. I mean, I don't, I don't they, they, the offense is just completely, completely different when Ben Simmons isn't playing. And there's not many people to run the ball through and they are, end up missing some of that size. It makes them so unique. I think the Celtics should win this series, but I think it could also be close and the Sixers could surprise us. Rudy, how about you? I kind of agree with what he has to say, really. I mean, the Sixers can make this a series, but you kind of look at the matchups and you look at what Philadelphia is missing, and it just seems like too little right now. And uh, when you have so many missing pieces in a playoff run in any sport, you need those key guys to steal games for you, and that's what Ben Simmons kind of does for them. And without them, they just lose that ball movement. They lose that, that presence that he brings. So I think the Celtics take this one in five or six, to be honest. But – I think six is a little more reasonable. Yeah, I, I'm on kind of the same track, but I am kind of looking forward to um, Embiid playing without Simmons because I feel like if you look at the lineup they've been using with Milton, Richardson, Harris, Horford, and Embiid, um, I'm looking forward to seeing Embiid play with like spacing around him rather than with Simmons being ball dominant. I think they'll play through Embiid in the post so much. But it just depends how his conditioning is in this series. Because I feel like even against, against Portland in that, in that game that uh, they played against Portland a couple of days ago, once Embiid gets tired, he starts posting up way outside the, the paint, uh, takes like these, these fadeaways from 20 feet away. And it's like, you know, you're not going to win if he's doing that. And I think uh, Barkley and Shaq were talking about it too. It's like, dude, if he takes that type of shot, you live with it. So – Let's see how he does, but five, six games seems really reasonable uh, for Boston. I don't know if Philly has a chance. I guess you get to see if, if Horford and Harris are worth those massive deals they got over the offseason. I mean, they have no option but to rely on them. You know what I mean? You don't have Ben Simmons. They just kind of have to get over that. And the thing is, is that it's such a huge piece that you're missing. It's not like you're missing some – role player that like for example with the Lakers and since sorry to bring it up it's not like we're it's not like you're losing uh uh Avery Bradley you know what I mean you're losing one of your one of your dynamic duos one of your top two so um losing someone of that caliber obviously it's going to hurt them and I think it's going to be detrimental to them and that's why you know even with Ben Simmons there I would have given the series to the Celtics but it would have been more respectable you know what I mean the fact that we're saying that the Sixers aren't are probably going to last five games six kind of says a lot about how depleted and how dependent they are on Ben Simmons. So, um, yeah, Celtics, as much as I hate to say it, are going to take this series. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see this. I don't see that. This series is interesting because I feel like you're taking out so much with no crowds. And when a team is a little bit depleted, like when they're playing with a man down or two men down, they really do rely on the energy from the crowd to kind of build something but when these games I mean it's so quiet in there it's only the benches that can really make anything hype uh, it'd be nobody really has that crutch to fall back on in these playoffs that's what makes it tough I think that's why we're going to see a couple more um, series that end in five games or four games instead of six or seven yeah and I think I mean you talk about home team that the advantage I mean I think Philly was what like before the bubble they'd only had like two losses at home Mm-hmm. So like that whole advantage is just completely gone. They don't, I mean, they, they're a terrible team on the road. They're like a 500 team on the road, but the, the, the home record is just something else. And I really, yeah, that, that advantage is completely gone. 
Ben Simmons' defense is also com- – who, who's going to guard Tatum at a high level? Mm-hmm. Maybe you put Richardson on him, but then Harris is going to have to guard Jalen Brown. It's like then Jalen Brown's going off. So it's like I just don't think they're going to be able to play defense well enough. So five or six, I'm, I'm seeing the consensus for Boston. Uh, next up, four or five, Indiana and Miami. Mm. I am really looking forward to this because we saw that TJ Warren, Jimmy Butler rematch on Monday, which was really underwhelming because Butler – just outplayed Warren in, in so I mean Warren had what 12 points in that game against the Heat they ran him off the court um but th- this 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 matchup is it actually intrigues me I think it could go a little longer even even if Indiana doesn't have Sabonis I think they can really stretch the four really the floor really well uh with Turner at the five they don't have a single player in their in their starting lineup who isn't a shooter and, I mean, if Brogdon and, and Oladipo for sure can, can have their legs underneath them after dealing with injuries, I think they could make some noise in the series, six or seven games even. Yeah, what I like so much about the Heat is that so many different players on the team can score. Like, their leading scorer only averages about 20 points a game. But when you look down the line, you have Goran Dragic averaging 16.2 Adebayo, 15.9. Kendrick Nunn, 15.3. Tyler Hero can shoot the ball, and he can go off for 25, 30 in one night just off of making threes. I think, though, the t- and Duncan Robinson, too, same story for him. Their team is so well-coached and well-balanced, and they're one of the teams in the league who's, like, more than the sum of their parts every time they get together. So I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking that he are going to end up winning the series unless Indiana can figure out something, especially with – T.J. Warren, he actually taps into what he played and played for before they played the Heat the first time. I mean, that's going to be scary. It's going to be hard to stop that. But I'm, I'm still leaning towards the Heat. No, that was the exact same thing I was going to say, is that for me personally, the Heat just kind of seem a little more deep, and they just seem like they have more reliability, especially when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I mean, I think Butler can shut it down, and I think that, you know, all this – all this – lack of camaraderie and all this grit that is coming into Butler, especially heading into the playoffs, positive momentum for this team. Because in an in a odd era of basketball where you don't have that fan momentum, that energy, for you guys to bring it in within your group, um, I think that's just such a key part of building confidence. And uh, I, I think that the Heat are going to take this series, but I think they're going to take it in six or seven. I personally think seven. Mm-hmm. But this is the more interesting matchup for me out of the East, just because these are two teams that have already played against each other twice, and they split that 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 little split uh, in the bubble. Um, so, I think this series could go either way. But I think because of just how deep they are and how much they can get stuff off the bench, how much they can rely on their big guys, and they're pretty young, so they're just going to come out full of energy. And when you have someone like Butler who just brings it every night and has that energy to carry a team, really. I think uh, I think they're going to be a dangerous team, and I I kind of do feel kind of sorry for who has to play them in the second round because if they get out of that series quicker than seven, they're just going to have a lot of momentum and they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, and I think missing Sabonis uh, for India that's such a big loss. I mean, he's Ooh, yeah. such a talented rebounder, mm-hmm. passer, scorer. He does everything, and uh, I I mean overcoming that type of a, an injury, that type of a loss is, is tough. They, their big man rotation is really not there anymore. It's not like they really had a guy coming off the bench who's amazing. They don't have Thad Young anymore. The team is so different from last year. And, I mean, Oladipo has looked – he's looked pretty good, but, I mean, he's still coming off a really major injury. There were concerns mm-hmm. that he wasn't even going to play in the bubble uh, in, in the restart. So, I, I'm, I mean, I'm going Heat, too. Also, I think the Heat, if they – when they, like – put in Iguodala and they still have Crowder out there with Butler, Adebayo, and then whoever at point guard. You really, I mean, how are you going to score on a lineup like that? Iguodala, Butler, Crowder, Adebayo. I mean, there's so much switchability. It's going to be so hard for Oladipo, Brogdon, Brogdon or, or uh, Warren to really get to the get to the rim when you're going up against those types of perimeter threats. So, I think it's, I think the Heat are going to win this. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Heat like just come out really hot and win in five. The paces are so small too; like they they don't really start anyone over six seven. So 
I mean, you're, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Heat. If they can dominate the boards, they'll get second chance points. They'll if they can kick it back out to shooters. There's gonna be so many like threes and so many point swings that just don't need to happen for the Pacers. And I think the Heat are gonna end up pushing them out. What a what a world we live in where all three of us <laughs> come to an agreement that. Uh, they have a small lineup, even though they're six, seven, and none of us are over yeah. one. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Someone that's six, seven, small is <laughs> hilarious. But sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there. I thought that like was a T- funny little chip in. TJ Warren is playing completely out of position. He he is not. I mean, he's been starting at the four, but it's like, dude, you've, you if you're gonna start at the four, you've got to guard Butler. You've mm-hmm. got you're gonna end up getting lined up against a guy like Olenek uh, sooner or later. You might have to guard Adebayo. Like uh, and then and then to also have such a high uh, responsibility on offense. I mean, I don't think he can. And I mean, I I like I don't really. I, I've seen that they've been starting Aaron Holiday, which is like you know I'm. That's a pretty. I mean, three point guard, a three guard lineup like that. That's a. It's really tough to I think to keep up with a team like the Heat that have as much size as they do and the type of brawlers that they have. So. I mean, I, I really I, – I think the Heat will win this. And I think, like, honestly, I feel like we should be thinking about the fact that Milwaukee and the Heat in the second round, they, 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 you know, we've always – well, we haven't, but a lot of people have talked about Adebayo as, like, a Giannis stopper, somebody who can guard Giannis really well, like he fits the mold. Uh, I'm interested to see how that actually goes in, in a playoff series. Hold, he can hold Giannis to 27 points and 12 rebounds <laughs> out of 30 points. Yeah. 35 uh-huh. points and 25 <laughs> rebounds. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that, that, that matchup is really intriguing. So I, I'm solely here for the Heat right now. Hopefully I, we disagree more in the, in the West mm, side. I think we will. I just kind of wanted to add this in a boss. You were talking about just how much they're relying on Warren right now. I think we also kind of have to take into consideration, even though we're all in unison that the Heat are probably going to take this series – in a seven-game series, when you have that much responsibility offensively and defensively and you just have those kinds of matchups and they're going to expect someone like Warren to play heavy, heavy minutes, he's just going to get worn out, man. He's just going to get cooked at some point. And the thing is, is that the playoffs are a marathon, you know? They, you just kind of have to space everything out, and that's why you need depth, and that's why the Heat just kind of take over in the long run, sure, that's why you kind of give Indiana the benefit of the doubt. They're going to win one, maybe two games, force a game seven, maybe. But I just don't think they have the legs for it, man. And if 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 he if they can't control everything properly, they're just going to get exposed. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, TJ Warren, even from even in his Phoenix days, he's a scorer. <laughs> He's never been known for his defense. Mm-hmm. He's never been known for his defense. So I think they're going to do whatever they can to expose him. I'm sure we'll see some Butler-Warren uh, matchups when Butler isolates. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it because knowing the heat, knowing the heat, there's probably going to be a lot of jawing, a lot of really physical play. Hopefully some, like, you know, words exchanged, some heated moments, a lot of text. That's what I'm looking forward to in that series. But – um I think we're at that consensus heat winning anywhere between five and seven games. So before we move on to the West, we'll take a quick, quick break here. You listen to Boston Roods here on Raider Paul Sports, student voice of your Paul Blue Demons. Rose crosses over the fadeaway. Live from downtown Chicago, you're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. All right, everyone, welcome back. Boston Roods here. Western Conference playoffs. We won't start at 1-8 this time, mm. just, just for the <laughs> fact of the people we have here in the room. So 2-7, uh, Nate, I know you, I know you like uh, – <laughs> Your uh, your Mavericks, hmm. so Clippers Mavericks. Um, I think at the beginning of this, beginning of the um, you know beginning of the restart, I think the Mavs 
we're kind of hoping to uh, dodge the Clippers in the first round because that that seems like the worst the worst matchup to get stuck with amongst that like four to seven grouping. Um, I'm a little scared for Dallas. I don't really. I just. I'm. You know. I just don't have faith in those perimeter defenders to actually stop down, stop, or even slow down Kawhi and Paul George. And I mean, a lot is banking on on Hardaway and Seth Curry and Trey Burke to give Doncic some help on the perimeter because he's going to get hounded. Or Finney Smith too. Leonard or Gasol, yeah, Finney Smith as well. He's going to be getting hounded by both those guys the entire game. I'm sure Patrick Beverly will guard Doncic at some point even with the like seven inch difference in height. But um, I think Clippers in five, uh, I, I want to give Dallas more of a chance. And I think Porzingis, the way he's been playing kind of gives them a chance, but um, I'm scared for them on the perimeter. I think, I think the series is five, five's may, five maybe, but I really think it's going to be done in four. I mean, I think the Clippers have, sort of edge to them that Dallas still doesn't have as a younger team. The Clippers, like, they have more of an identity on both sides of the ball. Kawhi Leonard is, like, Luka Doncic, is, he doesn't want any part. As good as he is, he doesn't want any part of Kawhi Leonard. Like, throughout the, throughout a whole seven-game series, Kawhi chasing him around. He's going to be switching off of people, switching off of people the whole time, and he's just going to be trying to get away from Kawhi. And Kawhi can stop him. Someone can stop him, force him into making mistakes. And if they have the same fourth quarter problems that they've been having all year and all most of the bubble too, then I don't see a way that they avoid the avoid this Clippers train. I hate the Clippers. I hate everything about the Clippers. I hope the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> sweep the Clippers, but that's not going to happen. Um, I think Dallas is just so fun to watch, to be honest. I think this series is probably going to go five. I think at the very most, maybe, maybe, maybe six. But obviously the Clippers have the edge. Lucas is so fun to watch, man. He is just so talented. Uh, he's going to be a very, very dangerous man for the Mavericks for a long time. Um, but I think since the restart, the Mavericks just look really spotty. I mean, granted, they played against – a really hot team in the Suns. They played the Blazers and it was a really close game. But, you know, they also showed flashes of playing really good basketball, you know, especially when they played against the Bucks and just what a great game that was and stuff. But, you know, you also kind of have to consider that the Bucks probably weren't playing their big guys as much. And here come the Mavericks, full-fledged, trying to avoid the Clippers in the first round, playing all their big guys. And they barely, barely edged out a win. So I just don't think they're built for the long haul quite yet. Um but I do got to give some respect to Luca and what he brings to the table. He could very easily steal a game or two for the Mavs, but, uh, you know, the Clippers are just, they're just too well built. Yeah. To me, the, to me, the Mavs just don't play enough defense in order to beat the Clippers. The Clippers aren't even the most like offensively powered juggernaut of a team, but they just don't, they don't play the defense. I don't see it across the board. Luca doesn't play much defense for how good he is on offense. I mean, the, I don't, I don't really see it. Porzingis is not known for being a great defender other than when he can get some blocks. I mean, it, it all just depends on if they can get Montrez Harrell going. If they can get Montrez Harrell going back into full speed, he's a huge piece for the team. And then Paul George needs to score consistently throughout the playoffs. If they actually want a chance of beating the Lakers in that seven-game series, they're going to have to find the consistency early. And I think beating a Mavericks team that's pretty solid would do wonders for them wonders for their confidence going into a potential Lakers series because that's what it all is about. They're trying to get to that Lakers series. That's what it's been set up for the whole year, the whole storyline. They want to get that Lakers series, but um, they're going to have to take care of some really good teams without that added benefit of being on the road and traveling and having crowds and stuff like that. They're going to have to just hunker down and figure it out amongst themselves. Can I, I add my two cents real quick to what he said? just because I, I think he made such a great point. I think the big question marks for the Clippers, yeah, I know, here comes the Laker fans, um, is their inconsistencies and just can they get their big guys going at the right time? You know what I mean? Obviously, Harold's been such a big question mark. Obviously, PG-13 kind of has his doubts when it comes to the playoffs. But, you know, if they don't find that rhythm and that consistency – when the Western Conference Finals comes around, 
then maybe they don't even make the Western Conference final mm-hmm. around because if they if they can't figure that stuff out, those are two huge pieces. You know you're gonna get Kawhi Leonard. When it's playoff time, the man shows up. You know you're gonna get Lou Will. You know you're gonna get that. You know you're gonna get your boys to 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 guide the way. But it's those two really big pieces, that two, three that they really need. And PG thirteen, mm-hmm. I'll never put money on that man in the playoffs. Even when he was in uh uh Oklahoma City, I just knew the man wasn't gonna pull it out. It's in his DNA. Playoff P. That's the Laker fan in me, kind of, you know. I will say, I'm not a – look, you know I'm a big Dame guy, so I can't really be that big of a Paul George guy. But I feel like this year, um, he hasn't even – I don't think he's really shown it yet. Because, like, you know, he came out slow. He's been playing, like, what, 30 minutes a game. Really efficient. Really, he knows that – what he knows his role. He knows that he's the number two here with Kawhi. So I think once he starts getting hot in these playoffs and he starts shooting a ton, the guy is just such a deadly three-point shooter and such a good passer too. Uh, I think he'll turn it on. And like, the, you know, back to the Mavericks, the, the, the concern I have with them is that, you know, Doncic is going to score 30 plus every game in the series. You know, Porzingis is going to score 30 plus every game in the series with the way he's been playing since the restart. Since, uh, since the bubble re- uh, or opened up, I guess. But I just have no faith in them have a, to have like a third option who's going to show up consistently. Hardaway can go 25 one night, and then the next game score like five points. Uh, is it going to be Seth Curry? Is he going to uh, find his stroke and score 20 points in a game? I don't know if any of them can do it consistently, and I think that's going to really doom them. So, I mean, Nate, you said four I'm thinking five. I don't think it goes any further than that. The Mavericks will be there. They'll be there soon. I mean, they've got Luka Doncic. They'll get there. But uh, young team, not enough depth, not this year. I think they need this, though. You know what I mean? I think that I think nothing builds character more than getting slapped in the face in the playoffs. And I think that, you know, maybe PG-13 comes around after so many years of just getting knocked around. And, yeah, he has his playoff series where he doesn't have to be the main guy. He could be that second guy that, you know, that can be a reliable piece for the Clippers. You know, I I get that. But, you know, historically, he just hasn't been that. So, I I don't know. There's a lot of question marks. Abbas, to your point, yeah, if he could get high, he'll be such a dangerous part of this team. But if he gets in a dry spell and that inconsistency shows up, that doubt starts to creep back in his mind, the Clippers are going to be really struggling, especially if Harold doesn't find his rhythm himself. Because then, realistically, the number two to the to Kawhi becomes who? Lou Will? Who? Hey, man, uh, Lou Will almost downed the Warriors last year. <laughs> but, that, I mean, I mean, like, in a seven-game series, you know, uh, I just don't know. You, hey, don't, don't underestimate Lou Will, dude. That man can Everyone go 25 every night. Yeah, all right. We'll see if he one of the craftiest scorers I've ever seen. I mean, he's he's on the floor though. The more questions you have about defense, (laughs) yeah, that's true. On defense, yeah. I guess against the Mavericks, it doesn't matter. You can hide him on. Honestly, you could hide him on Finney Smith if you want to. He has don't let that happen. Don't let that. Finney Smith will go unleashed. (laughs) Twenty-five points, I guarantee it. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe against Portland's defense. No, I, I don't think they can do that Arizona. against. I don't think they can do that against Dallas's defense. Dallas's defense isn't as bad as Portland's. But anyway, I forgot to mention when we were talking about Toronto. There's another guy who's kind of broken out a little bit in this bubble. Is Chris Boucher? Chris, dude, I knew you were gonna say Boucher, it. I love long, Chris Boucher. He's fast. I love Boucher. He can throw it down, but he can shoot the three. He's just he's just pretty solid. If he emerges like how he needs to be, and he has a really hot playoff, so I think Toronto could. I think Toronto could push the Bucks. The, the way the Raptors are, you know there's going to be somebody who's breaking out. If it's mm-hmm. Norman Powell, is it Ananobi, is it Boucher, is it Malcolm Thomas? Who is – or Matt Thomas, I should say, excuse me. Who is it? And I, I, I think Boucher could do it. I mean, he, I don't know where the playing time is going to come mm-hmm. from with both Ibaka and Marcus all there, but Boucher looks good. Maybe a little thin, but – I want to see Toronto go to the NBA Finals this year. I do too. Thank you. I want to see them defend their crown. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! See, as much as I'd love to see Giannis against the Portland Trailblazers, as much as I'd love to see Giannis play the Lakers, which if I was betting, I'd put the, I'd put the Bucks against the Lakers in the finals. But 
part of me really wants to see the Raptors go up against the uh, Lakers. It's, like it's too really easy fun. to predict the one seeds from both conferences. It is. It is it. I'm much more of an underdog guy. So even honestly, I, I'd take Houston in the finals against Toronto. Mm. I'd take Houston in the finals. Houston's a fun, really fun team to watch. But let's go on to our – let's move on to our 3-6. Nuggets Jazz. Um, mm. I personally think the Nuggets are going to run away with it. Um, mm. I feel like the Jazz can fight. But when you're missing your third leading scorer, a guy in Bogdan Bogdanovich who – or Boyan Bogdanovich, sorry. Uh, not just the scorer. He's a really good defender. Uh, they're going to miss him. Big time. I mean, they, mm-hmm. Royce O'Neal is just not not gonna not gonna cut it offensively the way uh, Bogdanovich did. So maybe five or six games, but I think Denver, with the way Michael Porter is playing, the way Jokic is, how deep that team is, Jamal Murray has looked so good since he came back from injury. I think they'll be able to wrap up quickly. I don't know. I don't know what uh, the, the health has been such an issue for them with. Barton, Gary Harris, and, and Murray missing so much time. But I think once they get back on the court, uh, and, and with Murray back, it's that, that's the biggest piece already back. Them and their depth, and the fact that Jokic is as good as he is, I think they'll be able to wrap it up quickly against Utah. Uh, I, I would have to disagree. I do think that Denver's going to take it, but I think they take it in seven. Um, I just think that since the NBA restart, they've been one of those teams that they know that they were pretty much locked in in that three spot and they probably weren't playing their big guys as much, just like any of the other higher, higher ranked teams. But um, to be honest, since the restart, they just haven't really impressed me. I think they're what three and five maybe. And they've lost some pretty, they've lost some pretty close games and they just, you know, that late, that Clipper game, they didn't look too strong. They lost against the Lakers who really haven't been playing super well in the bubble and have been playing really depleted basketball. Um, But I don't know. It's just as good as they are. I just feel like they're not heading into the real deal in that top form that they should be in. And I mm-hmm. think that inconsistency and that kind of doubt that is creeping into my mind might translate onto the court. I'm not sure. Denver's one of those teams that I really haven't paid attention much to, but I have paid attention to Utah and I do kind of like their chances, but I just don't think Utah has it right now. So it's going to be a great series. Denver, Denver, you know, takes it at the end of the day, but I don't think it's going to be a runaway, like you said. I think it's going to be a deeper playoff series, but it's going to be a fun series to watch nonetheless. Yeah, and I mean, they went to that double overtime game earlier in the bubble, and Utah stuck with them through that the whole thing. And I think that, um, I think that Utah does have some players who can shoot the ball, like uh, you know Joe Ingles, if he plays really well. You got Donovan Mitchell who can play really well. Mike Conley is. You know, he's a, he's a bit of a shell of his former self, but he still has – if he can still bring some flash. He's playing better. He's playing better, though. Him as a veteran in that locker room must be so beneficial, especially to Donovan Mitchell and young guards. Um, but, I don't know, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Nuggets, but I'm leaning more towards them in, a, in Rudy's sense where I think it's going to be six or seven games just because I think Utah's going to find a way to make it interesting. And so much of Denver's um, – success rides on rides on how Jokic plays and how Millsap can play and nobody is better at stopping people down there than Rudy Gobert so we'll see how it goes yeah I'm just like you know I I feel like with Denver it's like I mean like like Rudy said too they haven't played at full strength at all in the bubble and I mean when they have had people healthy I think they've just chosen not to play them Millsap missed a couple games for the knee, and I think just the fact, I mean, Millsap's kind of old, really not the the level he was at before, earlier in his career. But um, when I factor in how good Michael Porter has been uh, in, in, the, in the bubble, and the fact that when Jamal Murray came back, they had that great game, and he played so well in his first game back, and then Jokic is Jokic, looking a lot faster too, a little bit better conditioning-wise. He's able to get up and down the floor a little better. Um, I just think those three and the amount of depth they have, uh, the amount of guys they have on that team who can just make a shot. Jeremy Grant has been playing insane basketball lately, so I, I just feel like that's it's such an overwhelming. Oh, it's just it's going to overwhelm Utah. I feel like with with the lack of depth that Utah has right now. So I guess that's my reasoning into why I think Denver will kind of run away with it. I don't know what they're going to do against LA though. 
because I don't think they have the defense to actually stop both Kawhi and Paul George. But I think the first round, I think they might might have an easy time. I don't know, or it goes to six or seven. I think I feel I like think I'm kind of discounting point. Donovan Mitchell and Gobert right now. One little thing I kind of want to say again, you know, Denver's one of those teams that I haven't really paid too much attention to, but um, when you said that they have been playing depleted basketball and when they have had all their guys healthy, they just have chosen not to play them. And I, I think that's something that could be really dangerous in a bad way for them because you kind of want to build that such a long pause. You know, you kind of want your big guys to get used to playing with each other again, even if it's just for 10 minutes at a time. You know, it's just it's just small things like that that build trust. And, you know, that could also be the hockey fan to me talking where you need four lines and you need everyone to be on the same page. Otherwise, you're not going to win a hockey game. And I think mm-hmm. it kind of applies to, to, to basketball in a sense where if you want your big guys to be reliable and you want them to work and gel well together, you need to play them together. That's another thing that concerned me about the Clippers going back to it is that early in the season, they weren't playing their big guys together so much because of the load management, because of Paul George's health issues and stuff. And that kind of scared me as an NBA fan, as a Laker fan. God damn, it made me ecstatic. But, you know, I, I, I do think that, you know, if you want to contend, if you want to be something that you, know, you want to be a presence, everyone needs to be on the same page. And if, you're, if your coaching staff isn't providing that, whether it be because of one issue or the other, I think it's just going to hurt you. And I think that could be a really big decider if, if Utah decides to step it up, maybe take it in seven, who knows? Uh, every, I, you know, it, I don't know. Nate, look, I guess I'm going to say. No, I mean, I, I, I generally agree with you on there. Um, but this series is just such – this series right here is going to be one of the, another one of the big series that kind of like tells you – it's going gonna, it's gonna to answer questions about the teams that are in it. Some of these series, like, they're not really going to answer us any questions, especially the one versus eight series, the two versus seven, and most of them. They're not really going to answer any questions about the teams. Like, you know what's going to happen because they've been cruising through the bubble for good reasons that they've been – they've secured the playoffs a long time ago. But these two teams, they need to – they wanted to prove that they belong in that conversation of West teams that can win a championship. The Nuggets are the number three seed, and before this season, a lot of people discredited them because of how good the two L.A. teams were. Nobody wanted to talk about the team in Denver. And they're going to have to prove that they can beat a good team handily. As a favorite team, they need to be able to control the Jazz, beat them handily, and then they're going to have to go against the Clippers with a good amount of confidence. If they go against the Clippers after – trudging through a seven-game series with the Jazz, like, nobody's going to have confidence in them to be touch the Clippers. But if they clean if they clean out the series in four or five, then I think we're looking at a much scarier Denver, scarier Denver team to play the Clippers. Potentially, they could even beat them in seven. I think momentum is just such a big part of this playoffs because home court advantage is essentially not even, not even a thing. I mean, like mm-hmm. we said on our last episode of Boss, what is home court advantage? Your stickers and a couple of your fans on the wall? I mean, that's not home court advantage at all. So at momentum, everything's going to have to come from within. You need to have a lot of confidence and chemistry. I think the team that has the best chemistry and that works well together and kind of finds that rhythm at the right time, I think, I think anyone one through four in the West could, you know, give, give the Lakers and the, and the Clippers a run for their money. And who knows? I mean, we're going to talk about it right now with that one and eight matchup that I'm not really too much of a fan of, but um you know, it, this playoff series, this playoffs in general is so much more open than in past years that it makes me enjoy the NBA playoffs more. Granted, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not paying attention much to it because of the NHL. I apologize. But, you know, it's it's been really fun to see just the openness and just how mm, competitive, competitively diverse this playoff is because of just how good these teams are. And, and like we said, how deep they are. So it's just going to come down to who gets hot at the right time. And right now, I, I don't know. It's open. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a really interesting series, and I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, I think it'll be one of the better ones, uh, regardless of how long it goes. But moving on to the, I mean, the, the series I was probably looking forward to, maybe second most, the four-five Rockets Thunder. Before, before we got the, you know, the Westbrook injury with the chance that he might not even play for the first few games of the series, two, three games, four games, maybe he misses. Um, I don't know what to expect from this Houston team without Russell Westbrook, because I feel like 
with Westbrook, it's like they went from like this slow paced team that hit th- shoots a bunch of threes and has a bunch of hard and ISO to like this nasty, really, really fast team that's always running so small now without a center with PJ Tucker playing center. I don't know what to expect. I, I feel like Harden's going to put up 40, 50 points consistently before Westbrook comes back. But I, I don't know if it's enough against against Paul, Shea Gilchrist, Alexander. Gallinari is, I think, set up to have an in, incredible series, regardless of who's guarding him. I think he's going to get so many looks in the post. He's going to be able to shoot over everyone on the, on the Rockets team. So there'll be a lot of open shots. And I think Steven Adams, whatever his ability is to – guard PJ Tucker or whoever he's guarding on the perimeter. I think that's going to be a big, a big factor in the series, but I don't know. I, I don't know how long it's going to go. I guess it depends on if Westbrook comes back, when he comes back, how uh, up to speed he is when he comes back. So I could see this going anywhere from like five, to seven games with either team winning. I feel mm-hmm. like the fact that Westbrook isn't going to be there. I think the Thunder can win this in five or six. I don't know how y'all think about it. Uh, go ahead, Nate. You want to take this one? Yeah, I think that the I think the Thunder could easily shock the Rockets here. I think it's I think it's definitely possible. No Russell Westbrook, that's missing a huge part of your team's energy and your team's lifeblood. Um, you know, Eric Gordon, how is he going to be able to play? Is he going to play well? Um, I, I guess I'm. There's enough question marks about the Rockets, and they're so hit or miss on any given night that the Thunder are this team that wasn't supposed to be as good as they are this year ended up with the same record that the Rockets ended up with, 44 and 28. I think that the Thunder play a interesting kind of defense. They like to go into that zone sometimes. They like to play – they like to force a lot of switches and do all this kind of stuff to disrupt the team. And the Rockets should be able to – if they're going to – I feel like they're going to end up shooting a lot of threes. They might end up breaking some playoff records in this game in this series. If it goes to a couple more games than what they want, I think it's going to, they might break a couple of records in terms of shooting threes. So it's all just about whether or not they fall, they get a lucky, they get a couple lucky bounces and they can clear out the thunder or they can, or it could be pretty tight, but I'm probably going to go with like rockets and six. Okay. Uh, I'm i I'm a little torn on this series, to be honest with you. I think this series is going to go seven, Mm. but I don't know who's going to win. And I think the big thing for me is that uh, you guys maybe might not agree, but I'm kind of firm on the belief that this is the perfect example of depth versus duo, where you have a team that is deep in Oklahoma City, but you have a team that is pretty gosh darn reliant on their big two in Houston. Granted, they do have a lot of key pieces, a lot of great role players that could very easily be that, that number three for them. But essentially, when you look at Houston, it's their two top dogs and then everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're just like the Lakers, where it's their top two, and then everyone else is a supporting cast. Their supporting cast is a little deeper than the Lakers, but um, I just don't think that their top two, you know, is better than ours. But anyways, I think this series really depends on the health and the return of Russell Westbrook. I think if if he's not back by game three or four, I think Houston's going to put themselves in a hole, and Oklahoma City might just take it, even with his return, because they're going to be in a 0-2, maybe 1-1 series, and at that point, I like I like Oklahoma City's depth over um, Houston's three ball and their inconsistencies because if James Harden is not hot, the man is colder than Antarctica in the middle of winter. It's just you know it, it it's he's a great player. Don't get me wrong; he's going to go down as one of the best shooters in NBA history. But when he's not on, he's not on. And sometimes he could be a real defensive liability. And I just don't think you can have that in the playoffs. I'll challenge the defensive liability part because I think that was four years ago, James Harden. I think now when you watch him play defense, he's usually locked in and no one can go one-on-one against him because you can't push him out of the way. You can't post up on him. You can't really drive on him because his hands are so good. I, I don't I don't mean to go on a tangent, but I don't like the James Harden is not a good defender thing because I think that was something in the past. I, I really think that when he's locked in now, which I think he is a lot more often, he is a good defender. I mean, he's, he's one of the strongest players in the league. So 
I think it's hard to really just push past him or anything. I think it's I think it's easy for someone to say that, especially looking at this series, one on one, James Harden against anyone on Oklahoma City, you're gonna take Harden. Especially on a one on one matchup defensively. You can make that argument for that for this particular series, but I just think in the long run, I just don't think it's it's where it needs to be. You know what I mean? He's not an elite defender by any stretch of the imagination, in my eyes. But of course it's my opinion. But kind of going back to to the winner of this series, it's going to depend on when Russell Westbrook comes back and how he's going to be when he's back and just how, how much of a, of a powerhouse is he going to be? Is he going to be the same Russell Westbrook that he was before the injury or is he going to play a little bit more reluctantly? Sure, it's the playoffs. You're going to give it all you got, but sometimes all you got is not 100%. So I don't know. I just think that that's the big issue for Houston right now. If he comes back early, say game two, game three, and he plays that presence that we know he can play, Houston could very easily take this at six or seven. But if he's back in game four and the series is, you know, one, two, Oklahoma City, I just don't like their chances to win three like that. And, and for me, like the thing that comes up for me with Houston, at least the question marks with or without Russell Westbrook is like, you know, Daniel House was playing so well before he missed, I think, the last two games of the bubble with injury. I think he was averaging 16 points per game. He was shooting the ball well, but then he was also getting – he was driving a little bit, which you didn't see often in his game. So I feel like with Westbrook out, uh, and even with Eric Gordon back, maybe they'll rely on him a little bit more to, like, at least score a little bit more, of course, with, with the 25-some points that Westbrook averages out of the lineup. And then the other one is, is Robert Covington going to start hitting his threes? because he was shooting so badly in, in the bubble. I mean, it was like it was a celebration when he made one. If he starts making his threes again, I think that's another thing that could really work out for Houston because you know they're going to get their open shots. I don't think the Thunder – maybe the Thunder goes small with Adams out of the game and no Muscala and, like, Gallinari at center to kind of keep mm-hmm. up with Houston's speed. But I don't, I don't really know if it's the best move for them. So, regardless, I think the Rockets are going to get their open threes – if they make them, they can run away with the series. And then by the time Russell, Russell comes back, it's just closing. So I think so many things can go different ways. Um, I think SGA, how he plays, is going to be really, really important, of course, uh, for OKC. Because you know Chris Paul is going to show up, the veteran. You know Gallinari, another veteran, is going to show up. But uh, it's, it's SGA, younger guy, second year in the league. What, he was the leading scorer for the fourth seed in the West. Uh, I think his play is going to – he's going to have to continue to score 20-plus points per game, per game uh, in the playoff series. But anyways, we spent a lot of time on this matchup. I'm, I mean, there was a lot of disagreement, and I'm, I'm not surprised. I think this, this matchup can go either way. I, I wish Westbrook was healthy because I think even if he was healthy, it would still be like a close one. I think it would be really highly contested. But, um, you know, the moment we've been waiting for, <laughs> the 1-8 – after this play-in game today, Portland in. Lakers-Portland, a Lakers team that's kind of struggled on offense lately. A Portland team that doesn't know how to play defense. So almost the, almost the perfect matchup where it's like this Portland offense that has been the best one in the bubble versus a really, really good Lakers defense and then a really, really just god-awful okay. Portland defense versus Lakers. Yeah. Um, how, about, how about you guys each make your case as fans of respective the respective teams, <laughs> and I'll be the rubber. I'll be the rubber match. I'll be the, I'll right. be the decider. Okay. I'll be the tiebreaker. I like that, Nate. Rudy, go ahead. Yeah, CJ McCollum has a broken back. Okay, he's like Mike Tyson <laughs> after his fight. Sign, you know, he said it today in his interview. All right, he knows he knows what he's playing with. Don't get me wrong, guy can ball. <laughs> Damian Lillard, bubble MVP for a reason. Scares me. Here's my take. Okay. The Blazers are going to win game one, and it's not going to be pretty. They could win by double digits, maybe 15, honestly. I don't think the Lakers are going to come out in game one strong. I just think they need that wake-up call. But guess what? You guys hear that? <laughs> it's LeBron James. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's LeBron James. It, this, the guy does not lose in the first round. I mean, He's just automatic in the playoffs. You, you, mm-hmm. People always say, this is the year LeBron crumbles. This is the year he crumbles. This is it. No, I'm telling you right now, you piss him off, he's going to wake up. And don't get me wrong, I have a lot of respect for this Blazers team. They've made a lot of waves. They're coming into this playoffs with the most momentum I feel 
than any other team in the playoffs. Thanks to who? The Clippers. Is this a sabotage by the Clippers uh, on the Lakers, pissing off Dame and making a play against us? Maybe. Pretty strategic if you ask me. But um, I think I think this series, surprisingly, in my opinion, is going to go six. I think the Lakers are going to win in six. Hmm. Dame is going to take game one. He's going to steal game one for the Blazers. And the Lakers are going to wake up a little bit. But I think once we get to that elimination game five, the Blazers are just going to find a way. But I, I think you can't. You can never count out LeBron James. And now that he has that supporting piece in AD, it's a dangerous combo. They're the best combo in basketball for a reason right now. And, and I'm really excited to see what they can do. But at the same time, as a basketball fan, you cannot diminish what Dame has done and what he's bringing to the table in the playoffs, which is why I think the series is going to go six. But you, I got to give it to the Lakers in six. All right, yeah. So, like, I, I'm kind of – I don't really know if Portland can win this matchup, not because the Lakers are a one seed, but because LeBron James is on the Lakers. And that man is literally, I mean, I, I fear him. I fear any team that has to play against LeBron James in the playoffs because the Bulls have done it so often. They just get smacked every time. But um, if, if I had to make a case for Portland winning this series, it would be in seven probably. And I think what would need to go right is, like, Lillard needs to continue to do what he's doing, uh, play really well, and he can't have an off game. Uh, And I think what goes in their favor in this series is that with no Avery Bradley and not really a team that has, you know, you got KCP, you got Caruso, but there's not really a guard on this team that scares you defensively. So, yeah, you're going to see LeBron guarding Lillard or McCollum, Maybe not the entire game because LeBron's not 29 anymore. He's not 30 anymore. He's a little older. But I think it'll really come down to can they guard both McCollum and Lillard. And we're talking a lot about McCollum's injury, but he played well against Brooklyn. He's, he got the game-winning basket. And then on the other end, he forced Karis LeVert into one of the stupidest shots he's ever taken in his life. Hmm. Uh, so oh, cool. I I think – McCollum is going to continue his his thing. I think I don't think Lillard's going to score 50 points in every game uh, because I don't think that's how you're going to win this series. So I think it's going to be balanced. Gary Trent's going to continue to hit his threes, play good defense. Um, if they want to win, they're going to need him and Mello <laughs> to at least slow down LeBron. And then, you know, while a lot of teams have like gone a little small, uh, Portland has Whiteside, Nurkic, Collins, unless he's hurt badly. Uh, so I think they can they can contend with like you know the McGee, the Howard, and then Anthony Davis is the issue. I mean, I don't know how Portland guards Anthony Davis. I hope it's not Zach Collins because he's going to get eaten alive. But I think when it's Davis playing center against against Nurkic, I think Nurkic is he's a talented player. I think he can hold his own at least somewhat. Maybe still a little slow after not playing for 16 months. But, uh, you know, I'm, I, I think if they do that, if they can at least limit LeBron and AD, then they can come out with a win. And, you know, in close games, you've got three closers. And there are so many guys who can make shots on this Portland team between Melo, Dame, and CJ. So close games, I give them the edge because I really don't have faith. If, if you get the ball out of LeBron's hands, I don't have faith in anybody else on that Laker team to make a three to win a game. And, yeah, Kyle Kuzma did it against P.J. Dozier and Bol Bol, but I'm talking on a real stage in the playoffs. I really don't trust the Lakers' death. And if there's any slip-up from any of those guys, I don't think they're going to – I think this game, this series could go in six or seven to Portland. This isn't like an eight seed that we normally see. So, like, if this was an actual eight seed, like if it was Memphis, then you're like, okay, yeah, it's going to be a sweep. It's LeBron James. But Portland's a four or five seed this year in the West if everyone was healthy. I think uh, if this current squad was healthy. Obviously, I'm not talking like Ariza and Hood. I think you make great points, and you're right. It, it, my, oh, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say, but we have LeBron. I know, I know. It's all right. It's no, all right. No, 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 that's actually not what I was going to say at all. I think the thing is, is that the big plus for the Trailblazers is that they know they can beat the Lakers because they've already done it, what was it, twice this season? They beat them on two of the biggest nights that the Lakers had this year, you know, Kobe night and then uh, early in the season. And And the thing is, is that, you know, for the Lakers, the big concern is that you have a very hot team that knows they can beat you. 
obviously this isn't your typical eight seed. If we, like Abbas said, if we're talking about the Grizzlies, the Lakers are taking it in four and it's not even close. The big question mark for me is the defense of the Trailblazers right now. And I mean, the fact that they, the, I thought the Grizzly game should have been a runaway. But for some reason, they like to make games a lot harder on themselves than, than, than necessary. I think that Nets game, yeah, sure, they showed up, but that should not have been as tight as it was. And, boss, you said it for a while there. You were really concerned on how that game was going to pan out. And, and to be honest, I, I like this matchup just because I'm glad we're not playing the Suns. I think the Suns – I think that would have been a really kind of – it would have been a scary series in my opinion. They're super hot. Devin Booker, never count them out. He's going to be really dangerous for years to come. But I just don't think that defensively they have enough to kind of contain Davis, to count out LeBron. You know what I mean? Yeah, you make a great point. The depth of the Lakers is a big issue. But when you have that one-two punch, all you need is all you need is LeBron to do his thing uh, assist-wise. And he's proven that he can do that this year. And if he can get that ball around, don't be surprised if Danny Green decides to finally make a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. Uzma could finally drive in and, and play that. Danny Green's going to wake up. Mate, before you before you jump in really quickly, I just wanna I just wanna address this disgustingness that the Suns that he's more scared of the Suns than the Blazers. I did Dude, not right the Suns. I did the not Suns. That, hold on, I did not say that I was more afraid of the Suns. I was afraid that had you guys choked to the Nets, which you almost did, the momentum that the Suns would have had heading into the playoffs would have been a bit concerning. I don't. I, okay, okay, I'll give it to you. But look, Anthony Davis getting guarded by Dario Saric and Cam Johnson, he would have scored sixty a game. He would campaign, have scored sixty a game. Campaign found his groove. I, listened, Dude, I, I will say just on the side, every time I saw Campaign hit a three in in any Suns game in the bubble, I was so angry. So angry because the oh man, dude, the Bulls when they traded for him, they hyped him up like he was gonna be like the next coming of Derrick mm-hmm. Rose. I oh man, I have probably an an unhel- unhealthy obsession with how bad campaign was for for Chicago. I got I got the Lakers in five, and I don't really know when that when that Portland win is going to be. I have a feeling it's going to happen just because I think that. I think there's going to be one game where, like, Anthony Davis doesn't play as well as Anthony Davis should. Or, and, you know, the threes start missing. I think that's the thing is the Lakers have holes in their game. They're a little bit vulnerable in some spots. It's not enough for this to go to six games. I'm, I'm honestly feeling generous giving the Blazers one game in this series. I think that the Lakers are just far too much contained. I mean – I mean, it's just it's just completely implausible to me to think that the Blazers can win two games against this Lakers team, and I don't think they should in the playoffs. If if Le- LeBron and the Lakers, if they can find that intensity, which is going to be more difficult to find in these playoffs than has been in past playoffs, if they can find that intensity, then they they're going to run away with this. I think they're going to run away with. It. I think they'll win by 15, 20 points some of these games. There are going to be so many open layups. Open dunks, open three pointers. This, this Blazers team doesn't know how to guard anybody. So you start getting those guys on those backdoor cuts. You start getting Caruso coming and flying. Here's my thing, though. Here's but my thing. Bench will go crazy. This Lakers team is not. This Lakers team is not better than Golden State last year when they were healthy, even without Durant. I mean, that was still such a good defensive team, and and Portland is better this year than last year, and and that's why I think they at least have a chance in this series because. I just don't think the Lakers have enough. You know, yeah, you can count on LeBron and Davis, but it's like I don't know who else is going to show up for this team. Yeah. Obviously, it really depends on if Portland can even pretend to play defense because they have so yeah, like, much work to do on Zach, that end. Zach the, Collins is out there just getting cardio on him. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, he has been Blazers, pretty, the Blazers been pretty got rough. Some weak guys on defense, and Nurkic is still trying to come back to his place. And I'm just concerned about C.J. McConnell. The more games he plays, the more minutes he plays – that back, I mean, that's not a good thing to be playing on. So he must believe in himself enough that, you know, he thinks this is worth it to pursue if his back's that bad. I think, I don't know, I, I got the Lakers in like five, especially if they win the first two games, it's a sweep. So yeah, they're going they to split. They're gonna have to split the first, first two games, and then we'll look at something there. But if they win the first two games and they come out hot, they'll be comfortable. And, like, when LeBron catches on to an opponent, he doesn't – usually let that opponent go. It's whenever he can't kind of figure out the other team. It's whenever he can't figure out what to do. That's when he loses it. But as soon as he kind of has that game where he scores 37 points with 
15 of them coming in the fourth quarter in clutch time, he, that's when he really locks on, and that's when a team can't get out of that. It's, it's a death ray. It's, really, it's what it's, it is. It's just so interesting to see, like, what is a, like a, 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 you know, a best of uh, seven series going to be like when there's no like home court advantage, when there's no crowd advantage. Cause it's like, you're always, it's always just like, you know, you, maybe you lose to it a, a away if you're, if you're like the lower seed, but then you come home and win too. But then it's like, where does, what, what's the, I don't know how it works in, in a in like a, an atmosphere like this, where there is no, like really, there really isn't a, you know, that home court feel or any of that. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, there was this funny thing in the bubble so far, the home team has been winning as often as the home team does when people are playing at their own, like when, when it's non, not pandemic, but maybe that's just small sample size. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see like the, the, you know, the momentum flows game to game when you're not really going anywhere. I got, I got travel too. Two little comments on on that. You make a great point, and and I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier in the show. It's gonna have to come internally. It's gonna have to come through your chemistry and through that confidence that you build up yourself. You need that energy from within the group, and and you know, I again, I alluded to it being in the NHL is they have the same predicament in the bubble, and you know, as soon as one team finds a way to score two quick goals, it's, they're not gonna stop. Momentum is such a huge part of professional sports that doesn't matter if the crowd is there or not. If the team is hot, they're hot. You know what I mean? Even if they're on the road for crying out loud, it's, it's incredible just how much energy plays a factor in, in these deep playoff series. And another thing I wanted to touch on is I don't think, I don't think this, the, the supporting cast of the Lakers gets as much credit as they deserve. I think the way they're built is that they can rely on someone else to be their third each and every night. One night it could be Kuzma. One night it could be Green. One night it could have been Avery Bradley if he decided to come. You know, one night it could have been someone else, so on and so forth. And that's kind of been the story of the Lakers throughout the season is that that big Clippers win that we got, it was Avery Bradley that got it for us. Here in the bubble, Kuzma had a big game. Danny Green has yet to show up. I think he's going to, you know, really play a huge factor in the playoffs. But essentially, what does that revolve around? It's the heroics of Davis and LeBron. They kind of find ways to get the ball in, move the ball around, and, and give those guys those looks. and. For, for, for a guy like Kuzma to have a game like that heading into the playoffs, it's going to be really big for his confidence. He's, he's listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a diehard Laker fan. The kid's not going to pan out for crying out loud. We gave up the wrong guy to the Pelicans. We should have kept Ingram or Ball, either one in my opinion. Kuzma's just not going to pan out to be that guy. Maybe he pans out to be that guy somewhere else, but in the shadow of LeBron and AD, I don't think it's going to happen, to be frank. Laker fans, I know you hate that I'm saying that, but let's be real. But, was that even a possibility, though, to not give up Brandon Ingram? I think I think they I, wanted him for sure. I think it was between Lonzo and and Kuzma, and we decided. Mm-hmm. To him. I think that was kind of the big, the big piece. I don't know though. I don't think the Pelicans would have taken that without without Ingram because it's like, dude, you're getting a guy who is like hyped up as the second coming of Kevin Durant. Lonzo, though, that's interesting. Lonzo, yeah, I feel like I Lonzo Kuzma. Maybe that was a, a toss up, or the Pelicans were like, we don't want Kuzma. And it's like they saw like the future or something. I don't know. In all the early, in know. all the early uh, projections, they had Kuzma going like if he was the pivotal piece, especially after his rookie season. I mean, he had a pretty damn good rookie season, and he looked pretty damn strong. And then those early speculations had, you know, they're not going to take anything without Kuzma. Okay, take him, take him. We'll take think of Kuzma. think of that trade if it was like Kuzma and the and that fourth overall pick for Anthony Davis. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way to go around oh, not giving up those four first-round picks. I mean, I think those would be worse than DeRozan and, and Jakob Pertle for a championship. Well, the Lakers historically, they, don't, they make their bread in the offseason with free agents and with big trades and signings and stuff. The Lakers historically have never really drafted super well outside of Kobe Bryant. They didn't even draft Kobe. They traded for him at the, at the, at the, at the draft. So, I mean – I can't really think of anyone that the Lakers have drafted that has been super fantastic. I, I'm not even sure if we got magic through the draft. I think we did, it, but I couldn't tell the you. The Lakers who. never draft. They're always in the playoffs. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that's where they make their money is free agency. So, I mean, those those first overall picks are just kind of the accumulation of the last couple years of, of having LeBron and then not knowing that those draft picks are essentially 
free tokens to go get whoever the hell they want. It just happened they spent all their tokens on AD. So be it. We got AD, and now we're a championship contender. That The Lakers are willing to take risks that other organizations just won't because they're the Lakers, and they know that they can get away with it. I hate to say it, but that's you the gotta, truth. I mean, you just got to hate Lakers exceptionalism. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it is the truth. It you'll is. never see a team like Milwaukee. Maybe that's a bad example because they're, they're pretty damn good right now. But, you'll, okay, for example, Phoenix. Phoenix two, three years ago. They would never have given up those – those first round picks or whatever, they would never sell the farm to, 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 to get the cap space to get LeBron James. And even if they did have the cap space, LeBron's not going to go to the Phoenix Suns. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Lakers, just that, that status that they have, that, that reputation that follows them and how they treat their players and how world-class they are, I'm guessing them up now. Mm-hmm. They, they just, it's all about culture, really. You it's know? also why they have the most pressure on them to win a championship this year. They need to take that pressure and turn it into something good. If they can't. I don't think it's going to happen next year. It's going to feel right it's going to feel sad if it doesn't happen. I mean, I think it's going to feel a little bit sad if it doesn't happen this year. As much as you can dislike the fact that they're the Lakers, it's going to feel a little bit unfulfilling as an NBA fan if the Lakers aren't playing for the NBA Finals. I mean, I agree. I mean, it's 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 just one of those things where. If there's a year where it has to happen, it's this year. Because next mm-hmm. year you have a healthy Warriors team. You're going to have a very developed and ready-to-go Mavericks team. Obviously, the Clippers are going to be damn tough to beat again. The West is so open, but this year just kind of seems like the year where LeBron has to just kind of pull it out. And he has to do it this year of all years. He's not going to have to worry about the East because the Nets are coming out of the East with Karis LeVert and his two sidekicks, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Hey, no, 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 no. You got it wrong. Straight out of the East. You got it wrong. The Bulls are going to come out of the East with – the Bulls are going to come out of the East with uh, Ryan Arcidiacono. Oh, yeah, Ryan. Starring as as the best point guard in the league. (laughs) (laughs) Nate, Nate, we won't keep you any longer here. (laughs) I already kept you over schedule. (laughs) Uh, That's all good. All right, y'all. That's our – playoffs are upon us. And uh, last thing before we go, Cody Bellinger is not in a slump anymore. A double uh, and, a, and a walk or a single today. And Mike Trout hit the nastiest home run I've seen all year. That man is possessed and he's playing like a god this year. Yeah, but anyways. 4-2 us. Yeah, 4-2. I mean, My Blackhawks about to go down 3-0 though. So. That'll do it for I'll, Chicago I'll sports right this now. year. <laughs> Everybody, all, all our hopes are with the Cubs now. <laughs> all right. Well, anyways, Nate, thanks for coming on. Thank Rudy. you. Thank you for having me. Thank you as always. Boston Roods here, Ray DePaul Sports, student voice to your DePaul Blue Demons. Go Lakers. Thanks for listening. Go, go Blazers. Get the crap out of here.